Welcome to Dream Up by Burdock, a weekly podcast show connecting you with inspiring Asian American creatives by exploring what they do and the paths that got them there. This is Dream Up. Hi, this is Peter Ashley. Today I'll be speaking with Jay Ju, an interior designer based in New York City. Jay has been running her design studio, Jay Ju Designs, located in Tribeca for the past five years. She takes on unique design and lifestyle-focused projects all over the world. Her work has been featured in Architectural Digest, Vogue Living, and Elle Decor. <laughs> nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Could I just ask you to introduce yourself and tell us what you do? Sure. Hi, my name is Jay. I'm an interior designer based in New York City. For the past five years, I've been running my own design studio in Tribeca. Um, We work on sort of unique residential projects all over. I also have been working on designing a few furniture pieces too, creating really special custom pieces that are one of a kind. A lot of the work we do happens to be passion projects for clients, whether it's their very first home or their forever home. I've been working on a few new projects this year with really interesting clients and wrapping up a few projects too that are pretty cool. So I'm really excited to share those. Awesome. And can you tell us a little bit about what your day-to-day looks like as a designer? Sure. So every day is a bit different for me, but sadly, it always starts with a phone in my hand. First, I make sure that there are no crisis emails or texts. Then I kind of do, you know, like a mental checklist of the things that I have to do throughout the day. I'm always on my phone talking to, you know, contractors, project managers, my team, architects, you know, like just like like social life. I've learned that it's important to keep in touch and communicate with the people you like to work with. So it took me a while in my career to, you know, create my own team. And I think it's really important to work with people you trust and like. And before COVID, we did a lot of regular site visits to check on projects. Now a lot are drawn um, remotely. There has been a lot of FaceTime calls with my thumb over my camera because I'm working my silk PJs. But yeah, I spend a lot of time on my computer designing, putting things together. But I definitely also need to balance that time being out and about and seeing and feeling things in person because I, I sometimes twist and turn for hours before I even start to actually design something. And because it feels really intense to translate your concept onto paper to actually picking out colors and items. So sometimes it's kind of like I'm too excited to, you know, spell it out. Sometimes I'm in my sample room scavenging, you know, for fabric and things like making a huge mess for hours. It's like all part of the creative process for me. And what's your scope as an interior designer? Is it everything from all the details to picking out furniture? Or can you kind of elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah. So, you know, interior designers, you know, usually like people think that they do a lot of soft furnishings and accessories and wall colors and stuff, but I'm a lot more involved in that. So usually most of my clients reach out to me in the very beginning of kind of just starting everything together. And I kind of come in, uh, hire the architect, the team together to make a successful project together. So yeah, I'm very involved. I always say, we go from, you know, I don't know, like picking out which house to work on with clients to, you know, picking out a towel bar in the bathroom. So it's, it's a very, yeah, involved process. And can you walk us through maybe the journey that you took to get to where you are now? Sure. I never went to school for design. I spent my entire life actually studying classical music. 
I was born and raised in Korea until I was 15. And then, you know, so Korea to America, I've always been in a conservatory my whole life. I must add that I really wasn't like a typical Korean classical music student type. I was kind of a wild child. So I had to change up schools a few times because of that. So I had a great teenage years, but I struggled uh, to be a good student. So I think I kind of knew since I was little that, you know, I needed to be in a creative field. After college, where I majored in opera singing, I got a job as working as a translator for Korean consulate, Korean culture services in New York. And I was obsessed with working immediately. And although I knew that this wasn't my um, forever path, I, I knew that I loved working with people. And then, yeah, so after my husband and I, who I met in college, got married, we moved into a place in Brooklyn and, you know, with no furniture, no plans. And it kind of just started all from there. I was obsessed with it. So after that, I quickly knew I wanted a career in interior design. So I applied to be a designer at a company that is long gone now called Home Polish, where having the background really wasn't necessarily required. So I took advantage of that. And I literally just jumped in and got started. Although there were things I just absolutely didn't know how to even use some of these design programs or the process. But I knew as long as I had a good, you know, strong idea and I knew how to make my clients happy, I could make it work. So you joined this company without any prior experience and kind of just learned on the go? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, like I really it's the long way and the hard way to learn, but I just couldn't wait to get it started. I felt like I was doing something that like music my whole life. And finally, I get this you know, chance to do something that I think I'm very passionate about. I'm like, let's just start it, you know? That's amazing. And so what were some of those earlier projects like? When I first started Home Polish, it was really small stuff, but I requested to get bigger jobs because I had already done my house and I kind of learned the like how the process kind of goes. So the first job I took on, I think, was a kitchen gut renovation. And I really like I had to just make it work, you know, fake it until you make it. <laughs> And, you know, it was a successful project. And I knew that managing clients was the most important part of the process. And I kind of just did a lot of reading and, you know, spoke to a lot of people and learned that communicating and kind of just managing expectations and all that was, was like a part of the job. And luckily it went well. And then I kind of just worked day and night because I knew I needed to create a portfolio. Otherwise, you know, people won't hire you. I just really was completely immersed in my work. And, you know, one of the jobs that I did and one of the first jobs got published in a big magazine and, and that really helped get my name out there. And then my client base was growing. And that's why I started, you know, my own company. Can you tell me a little bit more about your earlier opera career? Yes, I've been singing ever, you know, I don't know, I think like maybe started like six or seven. I loved uh, music and I love to play piano. And I like to sing. And it just kind of started from there. You know, we, I grew up in a town that was very, very competitive and you had to kind of like have a talent to bring to elementary school for your first grade uh, debut. Mine was piano and singing. So in our school, we actually had like a music competition every year. And parents, you know, the, you, you know, the Asian, you know, moms and their fur coats, like looking at their children be like, you better do your best. <laughs> you know, that was like definitely my childhood. And I did that my whole life. I was, you know, I kind of just thought that was part of my life, you know, singing, p playing the piano. And when I went to college to do it, I realized, wait, after this, I kind of have to make this into my real career or real life. And I think... That's where I kind of just came into thinking like, maybe I think it's time for me to try a different 
route in the you know creative department because you didn't enjoy it as much as you thought it's really like it, it was just like water you know it was just something i was doing all the time and then when i realized that it was going to be forever after college that I will be auditioning to become opera singers and I will be auditioning to be a musician. I just couldn't see myself doing it. And, you know, there's something about classical music that I think when you do it for so long, uh, I was kind of resenting how limited it felt to me because there are so many rules of how, you know, you're supposed to sing, how you're supposed to perform. And these rules are not really creativity. It's, it's just something that you have to do because this is how it's been done for so long. And right. those kind of things just completely frustrated me after I graduated from college. So I was looking for something different, something more innovative, something that I can actually create something. And also like I really like missed the best thing about the vocal performance major I had was that when you do an opera, you work with everyone. There are so many people in the cast members and there's this feeling that you get when you're backstage and you're about to perform where it's like complete teamwork. Like you cannot do it without the other person by yourself. It's complete teamwork. And that's what I really loved about the music performing part. So I think it kind of came close to like interdesigning and, you know, having your team and then having your team while you're singing. It was like a easy thing for me to get into. Yeah. Cause I guess when I think about opera, I never think of the other people that are involved in creating that performance oh yeah yeah it's a huge it's a huge thing and there's the orchestra and there's the you know crew on stage that you sing with and you know you do so much rehearsing that the when it finally is the day to perform there's this like feeling that you get where every single one of us are in this together and we have to put in our absolute best work for it to be a successful show that's a lot of responsibility although there's so many people doing it together so yeah it's a really special thing is it a similar feeling when you finish the home project and then the owner walks in and sees oh yeah i mean you know what i do the last day of the renovation i have a bottle of whiskey in my hand (laughs) and after the work is done and where they're about to you know take all the paper covers and everything protection off we have to celebrate absolutely we have to celebrate you know so it is a very very similar feeling And, you know, it's important to celebrate because you do all this work for sometimes two, three years for what, you know, it it is like a big achievement for everybody who's involved in the process. So, yeah, there is definitely a big celebratory moment after things are done. And where do you find your inspiration as a designer? Honestly, my inspirations come from really bizarre places, I think. In the morning, like I say, I start with a phone in my hand. And, you know, that also means like, you know, I go through my Instagram and quickly browse and, you know, start the day with something visual. But my Instagram feed is very trimmed down because I know that it could really consume you. And I try to use it in a way where it's beneficial for me. And there are a lot of accounts that I follow that I get a lot of my inspirations from that are not design accounts. Some are really weird. Yeah, it's like very random. But I think I get inspired by things that are like nonsensical or yeah something unique like that so yeah I I do a lot of kind of just looking at images and reading through magazines and stuff like that can you describe some of the biggest challenges you've had to overcome while building your career it really takes a village to get the job done the overall vision might come from the designer but you really need a lot of people's talent and hard work to have your idea to come true and that means there's a lot of different personalities moods and backgrounds in one room and you just have to know how to not only manage and delegate but like harmonize everybody together to make a successful project 
And I kind of had to learn that the hard way that communication is key. And I tend to, you know, because I tend to live in my head. So I had to really get rid of the habit. Even if it might feel tedious to me, I knew that I have to be super clear about what it is that I'm expecting. And do you have any tips or advice for someone wanting to pursue a career in interior design? Yeah, I got to learn that in interior design business, being creative is equally as important as being a business person. You can't forget that it's not only the creativity that clients are looking for you to bring to the table. And you also need to know how to talk about money, contracts, and understand how to do marketing and, you know, sales and, you know, most importantly, customer service. So like, you know, being a small business owner means wearing many hats and being adaptable also is key. One minute I'm I'm talking to my client about this, what this painting means in her space. And then the next minute I'm fighting with my electrician, (laughs) but it's kind of, you know, it's kind of all part of it. And I'm often not only designing, but the entire place, but being my client's representative, friend, you know, partner throughout the whole thing. So I think it's really important to take responsibility and have integrity even during difficult times. And I often think to myself, especially during these really stressful times, that you can't control everything and that it's not the end of the world. And these are very forgiving phrases to myself. And you might not want to share that with your clients during stressful times. But having an understanding that it's fine, you know, that that I think it's really important when you're in a business like that, where, you know, a lot of people have expectations uh, for you to meet. Oh, another big one is I think it's really helpful if you don't get wrapped up in other people's what other people are doing. I see a lot of that in our industry. But at the end of the day, the most important thing is to have your own vision and style and taste. And that's what people come to you for. The more you get wrapped up in other people's work, the more you'll doubt your own vision. So I think, you know, don't get distracted by that. So when you're working on a project with someone, how much of the vision is your ideas? And how often do the clients bring their own ideas and vision about their home? that you're designing? All of my design inspirations come from the clients that I'm, I work for because essentially the house and place that they're going to be in. So it's my goal to make them happy being in there. So a lot of the times I really like come really close to my clients and then I kind of get to know what they really like and what their personalities are like. And I like to kind of put in their homes what they can live with for a long time and not something that they might enjoy right now. So yeah, definitely. It's like a a lot of the detailed vision might come from me, but it's always inspired by clients' hobbies and what they like and what what they envision. And do you have tips for people who are designing their homes or spaces on how they should go about it? Oh, it's the most difficult part. I, I'm doing one right now. I'm designing a home for us in Connecticut and I've been avoiding it. And I just like, I just have, I'm the, my most difficult client. I think it's important that you're not trying to replicate trends because you have to think in 10 years, in five years, or even a month, am I going to like this? And I think where you live is how you, you know, your home is like a place that represents you very well. So, you know, everything that you put in the house, it's okay to like take your time and be really thoughtful instead of trying to do everything at once. You know, and I think slowly like that, my house is kind of like, that. I don't really have a style here. It just, it's a really like a refined hoarder's uh, house, but it's a special place for you. And, you know, it's surprising where, you know, um, everything was designed with a story and intention in mind. Other people find it so interesting to look at too. 
what's next for you? And do you have any upcoming projects that you're excited about? Yeah, I'm working on a several projects that are really, really fun. And uh, I feel really lucky to have had clients that are really um, incredible, really interesting clients this year. And, you know, I'm just like interested to see how they wrap up. And I have a few projects that are outside the city. So that's been a lot of fun, fun to be out in the woods, learning more about like how to keep the renovation eco-friendly and as clean as possible. That's something new that we've been working on a lot. I'm looking forward to releasing a few new projects that we just wrapped up too. Because of COVID, there's a lot of pause in the publications and they're, you know, picking things back up. So that's great. And it's really exciting. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for your time. Yeah, no problem. Thank you to Mark Redito for the music. Please support us by rating and reviewing us on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. And join us next week on Dream Up.